Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Pandemic Podcast. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this show, and I want to thank you for joining with me again here today. I started this a month or so ago just as an interest in talking to people around our community here in West Central Indiana and finding out how people are dealing with the pandemic, uh, what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're learning, how we can figure out how to adapt and move through this time in a better, stronger way so that we can come out on the other side as a stronger community. Today, I have the opportunity of sitting down with Dr. Deborah Curtis, the president of Indiana State University in Terre Haute. Uh, She's been the president for a couple of years now, and this year has had the challenge of trying to lead a college of some 11, 12,000 students, plus lots of faculty and staff uh, through this time of disruption and figure out what to do, what should be done, what needs to be done, how do we do things differently. Uh, There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of complexity to it. So was quite interested to hear her comments and her perceptions and see what all of us can learn together as we move through this time. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Deborah Curtis. So, Dr. Curtis, it's uh, so great to be here with you today. Thanks for taking the time for this conversation. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good to have you here, Clark. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And <clears throat> thought um, maybe if you just want to take a minute or two to say a word about your family or how you came to be in this position you're in now. Well, the, the very beginning <laughs> of it was I earned my PhD <clears throat> here at Indiana State. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, I hesitate <laughs> to say how many years ago. And it seems yeah. like a very long time. But once you're back, it seems like no time at all. But the campus has changed so much since I was a graduate student here. And um, my husband was a basketball coach at Paris, Illinois. And that's how I got connected to Indiana Mm -hmm. State. I worked at the university school for one year on Jane Connors maternity leave. All these years, I I said Jane Connors maternity leave, because of course, I never met her. Oh yeah, and then when I came back, she was at an event with a name tag. I got goodness gracious, there's Jane Connor. What a delightful person! Yeah. But that was a really special year for me because that's when working with Jim Rentschler at uh, the university school, he suggested maybe I wanted to look at the PhD program, and I did, huh. and and began that process and finished that degree and moved into higher ed. Once I earned my degree, went mm-hmm. right to Illinois State. For 26 years, as a matter of fact, wow. faculty member, uh, director, chair, associate dean, then dean of the College of Education, and thinking, boy, this provost thing looks cool. So off we yeah. went to the University of Central Missouri, where I served as provost, thinking that was the last of the the, the career. I'll stay there. That'll be it. Uh-huh. Until a, hmm. a search firm gave me a call one day. Who'd called before? Said you ought to look at this presidency. I said, nope, I'm good. And this person said, well, it's yeah. Indiana State. Hmm. And I went, ooh, oh yeah. I graduated from there, and of course, a consultant right. said, yeah, I know hmm. you did. And I said, yeah, <laughs> they do their homework. I yeah. just, it wasn't possible for me not to take that chance. And oh, then the sure. thrill to be invited back. So my husband yeah. had already retired. 
So it was, uh, we were pretty mm-hmm. uh, capable of moving. Kids are all grown, of course, and out and all parents themselves now. Right. And it was quite mm-hmm. a wonderful thrill to come back here in this role. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a place that gave me my start in higher ed. And uh, so yeah. it was, it was really a delight mm-hmm. to be able to come back and say, I can come back and serve. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. So this, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this last semester, um, I think you pretty much got to spring break before the pandemic started shutting things down. And then the whole <clears throat> second half of the semester was different. So what's uh, <clears throat> what's these last couple of months been like for you? <laughs> well, certainly it's not mm. unlike a, taking a sip out of a fire hose for I'm everybody sure. involved. Anybody engaged in any endeavor in their lives, everything has significantly Mm -hmm. changed in the last couple of months for us. We were actually one week shy of spring break. It was a late spring break this year, and we were really Mm -hmm. hoping to be able to get to that, but conditions just didn't allow it. Mm -hmm. So eternally grateful, but not surprised that our faculty made that pivot very quickly Students were able Mm -hmm. to get home. Parents were grateful and family members and friends that they could have their eye on this this person to make sure they were safe and being cared for was so much unknown at that point, so much unknown. Mm -hmm. So the the big shift for us was not only going to uh, online learning, but then a whole lot of work from home for our employees. We quickly transitioned to that as well. Uh, I have been in this office every day since it started, but I only walk across the sidewalk to be in this (laughs) this office. So I'm not out traveling the streets Mm. or running into other people. But I really Mm. felt it was important for the stability of the institution for Mm. me to be in this office every day. Sure, I I felt like a a captain on a ghost ship a little bit. Yeah. Uh, But Zoom is wonderful. Zoom is our friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been on so many Zoom meetings these last couple of months. It seems to be old hat now, and mm-hmm. it wasn't before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so um, as you've been talking to people, listening to people, what have been some of the, the biggest challenges um, that you and the university have had to wrestle with? Well, certainly the transition to online learning and then remote work. Because as you might imagine, with 1,600 employees, Mm -hmm. about 600 of those being faculty, there are all kinds of different jobs. And it's very tough to say, uh, I care for the the green spaces here, and I can't do that from home. So sorting out Mm -hmm. who those, for us, essential employees were who remained here. And then some of those employees who might have had the option to not come in, but chose to exercise all of the safety precautions because they look at this institution mm-hmm. like their home. And right. we call them the sometimes the unsung heroes of this campus. Uh, yeah. So managing to make sure their environment is safe if they're choosing to continue to work. I will tell you one, I'll lift up right now, Linda, who cleans this office suite. She's not missed. Uh-huh. She's not missed a day. Wow. And she's, she's in very early in the morning and is leaving about when I come in. So she's not uh, engaged with people. Plus we've been mostly remote. So her work has been different, but just one of those dedicated souls. Mm. Uh, So it's, as I said Mm. earlier, I'm not surprised because I believe that's who this campus is, Mm -hmm. but just incredibly grateful. I think the biggest challenge for all of those involved is just 
not knowing the unknown. Oh yeah. What what's right. going to happen to people? Mm. When is is it going to end? When is it going to end? What do we have? To, can we do something to make it end? And right. how do you plan in that environment? That's mm -hmm. what's difficult. So always running several scenarios. If this happens, this. If this happens, this. Mm -hmm. uh, but always trying to focus on the best case scenario. Right. <clears throat> right. So, so this has you know been a major disruption and probably the biggest one we've all been through in our lives and. Um, how do you think uh, people here have been handling uh, this, this kind of disruption we're going through? Well, with 1,600 employees and about eleven to 12,000 students, we have the full range. We have the full spectrum. Yeah. There's a tremendous mm -hmm. amount of fear for some. Uh, there's another set of folks who just can't wait to get back and mm -hmm. want to be back and tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. Sure. And I wanted to be back and, and then everything in between. So working really right. hard to care for people mm -hmm. to make sure that their particular situation is accommodated as best we can, but still right. getting this institution to use the governor's words back on track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> so I'm guessing that this has created some financial challenges along with everything else. Are, are you all managing to weather the storm through that? We have, but of course, we're coming up to the end of a fiscal year, and right. the state of Indiana has been terrific. They've uh, been Good. continuing to support us with our appropriations to this point, but we don't know what's ahead for the next fiscal year. I'm mm -hmm. confident those decisions will have to be made soon, and once again, we're planning multiple scenarios for that. If everything's as it's planned, here's the mm -hmm. way we go. If there's you know, 6%, 10%, 15%, what kind of cuts... Uh, would cause us to take what kind of actions and how we deliver what we're mm -hmm. here for. So just multiple right. stages of planning. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, what uh, kind of decisions have been made so far in terms of summer classes and uh, these next two or three months here? Well, I can almost entirely say summer is online, except in a few uh -huh. specific instances. We, we've needed to get our flight academy back on track because, of course, oh, yeah. you can't fly. Well, you can fly <laughs> with a computer, but that does not take the place of actual flight. So a tremendous yeah. amount of cleaning and, and safety precautions there to be able to get those planes back up in the air. Few labs that are absolutely hands-on type of experiences that cannot be done yeah. remote. So there are a mm. couple of instances where there are changes being made, but for the most part, we're online. But this institution in the summer for quite a while has been predominantly online courses anyway. Oh, okay. So it wasn't mm -hmm. a huge shift for us. Mm -hmm. A little bit of you know management of the schedule to make sure that students get the courses they need to continue to progress. And the provost's been doing very good work with uh, Faculty Senate, uh, mm -hmm. making sure those things take place. Uh, so we're just trying to keep moving forward. Yeah, right. Yeah. Have you been able to make any decisions about fall semester yet, or are those still in process? Well, the one thing we've said firmly for several weeks now is we will be back face-to-face -face as much as possible. Uh -huh. uh, we're also blessed with the kind of environment, and this is the institution we are. We don't have an awful lot of 100 people in a class type oh, of yeah. offerings. We don't do a lot of that here. So the provost and the faculty senate are studying all the instructional 
needs, as well as the schedule for the fall. There are a lot of varieties to what we might do. One of the big challenges Mm. in making decisions is you don't want people coming to campus, going away from campus, coming back to campus. So, of course, everybody's taking a look at where Thanksgiving hits and and things of that type. Those are all in progress right now. Mm -hmm. The, The quicker things that we're needing to resolve is making sure we message to family and students, we are going to be here. Right. Figuring out the housing and the dining piece, because, mm. of course, people have concerns about that. Yeah. If I want a single mm. room, can I get a single room? And taking a look at our inventory and right. um, discovering how can we accommodate anyone who wants to be here on campus and has a need mm. or an interest or a concern about a single room. So there's a whole lot of balancing of those different interests and needs mm-hmm. uh, to make that mm. happen. But we will be opening <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I could imagine, you know, the the residence halls might be a bigger challenge than the classrooms could be <laughs> when you have that number of students living in a building that um, that might be even more challenging. You are correct. Uh, so a lot of the concerns about roommate, no roommate, where the restroom facilities are, also the dining. Sodexo yeah. is our, our dining partner and they are this week working, uh, sharing with us their what they call their playbook for coming back online. Okay. So we will be sharing with families as well what kind of planning is taking place to make sure that you know, we're not going to see open salad bars and things of that type oh, yeah. when the fall mm-hmm. returns. So just mm-hmm. getting to families the specifics of that so they can make their decisions. Right, right. Yeah. So how do you go about making decisions when the future is so uncertain and you don't know what three months from now is going to look like and you're dealing with all this uncertainty. How do you begin to to plan and try to make some decisions? Well, several weeks ago, I shared with my cabinet, Mm -hmm. I got the most comfort one can get in a time like this when we started to develop those different scenarios. Uh Best case scenario Mm -hmm. is everything keeps rolling around along the way the governor's laid it out. He has five... Uh Uh, stages. We have six phases because we needed to push to fall. So we couldn't stop at 4th of July. We need to talk about August 1st and beyond. That as well as the possible budget scenarios, it it gives you some kind of parameters to the decision making Mm -hmm. you're doing. So the best case scenario is we get to move forward as the state rolls out and nothing changes that. Another Mm -hmm. scenario is there's a flare up And from either the state or the federal government, we're all getting asked to pull back in. So we're planning for that worst Mm. case. And I hope we never even have to look at it as there is an international global pandemic flare up. And we're right back to where we were when we began. But Mm -hmm. the fact that we're laying those pieces out on every one of those areas from employees to students to instruction to student affairs and saying, here are the decision points. And given this condition. Here are the steps we plan to take. Of course, they're always going to be changing in and out, but we have a structure for it. And that's Mm -hmm. when I feel better, when I have something down that I can look at and say, all right, we're not just reacting, Mm -hmm. we're planning. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure you're probably getting a lot of input from different people and people who have different expertise and backgrounds and trying to throw it all into the mix and figure out what, what you're able to do. Well, certainly we do a lot of networking with other higher ed institutions mm. in the state. But, you know, one, two pieces that have been very valuable yeah. to me. I sit on the Indiana Chamber 
and they've oh, yeah. been providing resources. And then as well, I sit on the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership, mm. CICP board, and they've been sharing mm. resources. So not just in the world of higher ed, but looking at how business industry, uh, municipalities, mm -hmm. how they are all approaching this has been very, very helpful. And everybody's yeah. sharing. Mm. And that's quite helpful as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it is everybody's going through the same thing and everybody's trying to figure out some of the same issues. And so if you can kind of pick each other's brains and <clears throat> figure out and hear what other people are thinking, then that gets the, the ideas rolling and moving back and forth. It truly does. And we're grateful to the governor and his, for his leadership. You know, we in this office, we check out his press conference every day for a while yeah. there. It was every Monday through Friday. Now we're down to Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, which feels like good news. Yeah. Uh, and right. we're, we're listening carefully and making sure that we are aligning with what the expectations are for the state. And we know he's very engaged with, uh, mm -hmm. with the federal government as well. Right. Right. Yeah. It seems like collaboration is, is a real key and not just being a, a solo player or in your own silo, you've really got to be working with a lot of different entities to see who's doing what. Well, and the local uh, medical areas have been very helpful as well. We've been engaging with a work group that meets at least once, sometimes twice a week here uh, in talking with the Vigo County Health Department, but also communications yeah. from union and things of that type. Everybody's been so forthcoming in helping us think through this that uh, we're very mm -hmm. grateful for those collaborative opportunities as well. Right, right. Yeah, it seems like these kind of crises are often opportunities to experiment or adapt or learn new things. And I don't know if if you've noticed any new things yet, or if we're still just trying to survive and <laughs> and catch up with anything, but. Um, it's always interesting to see if new forms are going to grow out of the, the crisis that we're in. Well, I've said multiple times, fall of 19 will not be what we're doing fall of 20. Right. But fall mm. of 20 will not be what we're going to be doing fall of 21 either. So mm -hmm. helping people get a perspective on what's in the rearview mirror, what's in the windshield ahead and where we are right now is the challenge of the day because if, right. if you're doing the mm. same thing every time you're not meeting the needs every right. of everyone involved mm. so uh, i really believe for this institution some of the experimentation with online for some faculty who never intended to ever teach online, who now have, right. has opened up some new horizons. Are we going to go mostly online in the future? No, that's mm -hmm. not who we are. Right. It's brought home clearly to all those involved faculty, to students, to employees. There's something special about an on-campus experience right. that we now know because we've been denied that for several months, right. months. but it doesn't mean it will be exactly as it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes when something gets taken away, then you realize how important that really is. So, yeah, I was reading a quote the other day. Somebody said, in times of change, it's the learners who will inherit the earth. And obviously, this is an institution of learning. And so we're. this is obviously a, a big teachable moment and maybe not one we would have picked, but there's... Uh, 
lot that's that will be learned as we all walk through this together. That's very true. We had already started work, and we is really the provost with the faculty senate and some other faculty leaders in some innovation models for instruction oh. before all this started. Well, think of the laser-like focus that work group has now, and they're returning Boy. to that work in light of what has happened. And we hope mm -hmm. this will never happen again, but if it's yeah. not this, it could be something else. Right. And so that group has really gotten a jump start on taking a look at what does that mean to this glorious institution? Mm -hmm. we, we use the phrase here, there's no keeping up. It's either pulling ahead or falling behind, and we choose right. to be pulling ahead. Well, that's really the first place that has to be focused, which is mm -hmm. how do we instruct and what do we offer? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So are there things that make you hopeful about the, the future or that you think maybe will become better um, after we get, find our way through this? Clark, I'm always hopeful. <laughs> it's who yeah. I am as a person. And, you know, yeah. that hopeful belief that tomorrow will always be better than today has never been more mm -hmm. important than it is right now. We knew mm -hmm. before this that there are so many wonderful qualities of this institution, not the least of which right. being we've weathered storms before. Right. And we will mm -hmm. weather this storm it will probably create something different than what it was before, but it's mm -hmm. always going to be better. Always. Right. Yeah. And sometimes this is an opportunity to look back at the history of the institution and say, well, there've been big challenges before and look how we came through that. And that gives us some, some hope for the current and, and the future situation. Well, I'm blessed to work with people here who are all about, getting to mm -hmm. it and getting it done and mm -hmm. being very good at doing it. And that's, right. that's in the DNA of this institution. I don't think Indiana State has gotten the recognition it deserves for how mm -hmm. many years after years after years that that has taken place on this campus. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure as a, a president, you're always aware of how much you're relying on all the other employees and people here in, in the university, but probably even more so now, uh, how much you have to depend on other people to, to do their part of the system. Well, it's not only depending mm -hmm. upon them, but having the, the knowledge that there are many, many people in different spots here who absolutely can be relied upon to step mm -hmm. up and stand up and carry on. And we see it every day on mm -hmm. campus every day. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So um, as we kind of wrap up here, do you have any other final thoughts or comments you'd like to kind of throw out there as we conclude? Well, I just would ask folks to start picturing what the next Indiana State is mm. uh, and being a part of that. I've never been a one who mm -hmm. believes if I came up with the idea, it's the best answer. And every good idea I think I've ever had has yeah. always been improved by the input of others. And that's right. what we're engaged in doing right now. We're about to launch a year of a new strategic plan. Anyway, oh. we were doing that anyway, because uh -huh. this current strategic plan ends with this upcoming academic year. So okay. we are going to be for a year building our next plan 
I don't think it's going to look like what we <laughs> thought it was going to look yeah, like three months ago, exactly. but it will be a vital and lively plan that really sets the next steps for this institution. And, and we'll be mm-hmm. engaging a lot of people in time about what that will be. Right. Yeah. And what a great opportune moment to be working on the next strategic plan and looking at all the possible changes and scenarios and directions you can go. And uh, it's an opportune time to be doing that. It truly is. We're grateful for the collaborations. You know, I've said since I've arrived, uh, I'm grateful for the mayor's uh, care, concern, and frankly, Mm -hmm. sitting in every basketball game he can get to because he's such a big fan. But um, Mayor Bennett's been a, a great colleague for me since I've been here. Very grateful mm-hmm. to the Chamber of Commerce for their caring concern and support through all of this. So it's just a, a wonderful working relationship mm-hmm. in this community to be able to help us catapult to the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't even talk about the Holman Center project, but I, I sure enjoy going to basketball games and been looking forward to the completion of that and, you know, the new look that's, that's going to be there and Hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to do that before too long. That's the plan, is to celebrate that in a way that's fitting of a $50 million renovation. And folks have been driving around the outside of it for a while, but I think they're going to be very delighted when that new entrance to the South is finished. We're still moving along. There have been some challenges with getting materials, uh, but right now, we believe we're going to be able to hit the, the mark of having it available for basketball season this year. Oh, that would be great. That's the goal. Yeah, right. So, Well, Dr. Curtis, thank you so much. It's been great to have a chance to uh, talk with you a little bit. Thank you for what you're doing for the university and the community. And uh, we wish you all the best as you deal with all these changes that have come upon us. Well, thank you. Real pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Dr. Deborah Curtis, president of Indiana State University. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others who might like to listen to it as well. Uh, You can find it each week on Spotify or on the anchor.fm website. I invite you to come back again next week for the next edition of the Pandemic Podcast. Take care.